When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Dominic Booth, once again joined by Samuel Luckhurst and Tyro Marshall for this episode. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. And it's a very good afternoon and a good Friday for Manchester United after they progressed through to the Europa League quarterfinals with a 1-0 victory over AC Milan in the San Siro. Paul Pogba scoring the only goal of the game after his emphatic second half introduction. United laboured for probably three quarters of the of the tie, really. And then Pogba came in the last 45 minutes, scored the goal, and United ended up good value for that victory. 2-1 on aggregate. We've just found out uh, they will play Granada, the Spanish side, in the quarterfinals. So we'll maybe discuss that draw in a bit more depth later in the podcast. But first, Samuel, a really improved second-half display after a turgid tie previous to it. And it was all thanks to Pogba, really. It was. His presence was incomparable with any of the returning players. I must admit, I thought when I saw Milan put their squad list out and it was still a little bit depleted, not all of their players were back. Some players who'd come back at the weekend suddenly weren't in the squad. I, I did fancy United and then maybe at halftime I didn't fancy United. But as as callous as it sounds, it was just as well that Marcus Rashford suffered that twinge, as, as Solskjaer put it at halftime, and was unable to continue because I really don't think Popper would have come on at halftime as just a, a straight tactical change. I mean, looking at the amount of times United have made interval changes this season, I think it's 18, um, and I think only about four of them have been completely proactively tactical even something like you know putting McTominay and Fred on when you fall one down against Tottenham it, it is tactical but it's pretty much damage limitation it's not really they, they weren't changes that Solskjaer was making to try and salvage the game in any way it was just a case of damage limitation and you think of Cavani at Southampton coming on for Greenwood how well that worked Fernandez at West Ham the next week how well that worked as well they should do it more often and the only time Marshall has scored in the last 17 games was when he came on as a as a half-time substitute in the the 9-0 game against Southampton but with Pogba we, we have seen him before when he's come back from an injury play that well this one was more striking it was more of an occasion about it and and it was also a win the games against Watford and Tottenham last season when he came on he did have impacts but United didn't win either of those games he, he was particularly impressive at Tottenham but the Milan game was was a level up and he just he doesn't do it often enough but he, he did grab the game by the lapels I think Really, when he did hobble off against Everton last month, he has been certainly missed during those 10 games. And that was because he had such an impressive January. When Pogba wasn't playing last season, I think you'd have had to have been one of those Pogba-holics to say United were really missing him because they weren't missing him. The tail end of the previous season, he didn't didn't have a good tail end to. He was so injury prone that you forgot that he actually was still a United player, particularly as he didn't want to be a United player and probably still doesn't want to be a United player. But this season, it has been different, certainly over the last three months, probably ironically, since his agent came out and said that he was going to try and get him another transfer in the summer. Pogba has really come into his own 
And for all the players Milan had coming back, none none of them, Ibrahimovic included, had had or has, uh, I think, the presence and the gravitas of a, of a player like Pogba. And it probably just signalled a psychological shift in itself, bringing him on. And that's without even factor taking into account just what a brilliant footballer he is when he is on song and I think he scored within 171 seconds when he did come on and it was it was a brilliantly I mean the execution of it was excellent and it's you know it takes some some going to 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 deceive Donnarumma the way he did and I think just individually and collectively United were lifted by by having him on the pitch. Absolutely yeah it was reminiscent of that comeback Pogba made obviously when football restarted last summer against Tottenham I think he came on around the hour mark then probably should have come on at half time but didn't uh, then United he helped United win a penalty and get a point in that game. It's a difficult one I guess Ty because of Pogba's long-term future is still obviously unknown as, as we've mentioned many times on the podcast but it really does seem at the moment if you look at his form before he got injured with those goals against Fulham and Burnley you now look at the impact that he made in that tie when United were labouring for much of it United can't actually deal without Pogba at the moment and that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, they're desperate for him in that team at the moment. And I think he makes such a difference to that midfield. You know, but I think in the 10, I think he's been absent for 10 games and have scored 13 goals in those games. But four were against an incredibly compliant Real Sociedad. Three were against Newcastle. You know, in seven of those games, they either failed to score or, or only scored once. And an awful lot of those 10 games, I think we've all taken away the same thing, that the midfield simply wasn't working without Pogba and there wasn't enough creativity. Fernandez hasn't been great of late. He looked tired. I thought he was really poor last night, especially first half. The entire midfield first half was, was poor last night. And it does look that they're just incredibly reliant still on Pogba to provide something else and, and something different. And I think it's it's reached the stage. It, it did feel last year that like they were kind of moving on from in his absence, but it's it's reached the stage at the moment where it's almost too important to consider selling for a cut price this summer. I don't think realistically you're going to get value for Pogba if he's sold in this summer. And if you're talking getting 40 million or something like that, I think, you know, United aren't going to sign a decent replacement for 40 million pounds. There's other areas of the squad that need strengthening. You're almost at the point where you just accept you lose him on a free in in the summer of 2022 and keep him next year for, for what he can add to this team. Because at the moment, if you took him out of that side and didn't sign a replacement, it's a hell of a leap of faith in Donny van der Beek or it's a midfield two of Fred McTominay and Matic every week, which, as we've seen, is, is simply not going to cut it against teams who are playing deep and, and defensive against United. So, you know, he, he has been... It, it, the timing of his sort of restoration at United is, is incredible. And then it came, you know, the day after Raiola's latest incendiary comments. And, and since that Leipzig game, he's been excellent, really. And, you know, his impact is huge at the moment. You can see what a lift he gave everyone last night. The 10 minutes after he came on, United's best 10 minutes at a tie by a long way and, and we're enough to win it. And, you know, I think he is incredibly important at the moment, whether he's starting a deep midfield role, whether you shoot on, on him into the front three, playing as a striker as United did late on. It, it feels at the moment like he just needs to be in that team. Yeah, too good to leave out. And also the effect that he seems to be having on other players. Fred and McTominay were really poor in the first half at San Siro, both noticeably improved when Pogba came on the pitch, whether they were just encouraged by his presence or or, or they just felt a little bit more confident. Fred, obviously, his tenacity helped Pogba get that first uh, first and only goal of the game. But, Sammy, we've spoken about Donny van der Beek as well. He obviously wasn't uh, considered by Solskjaer to come on. He he was mentioned before the game by Solskjaer as someone who might come on, and then neither van der Beek nor Ahmad did, and it was only Pogba. And that sort of reflected where Solskjaer stands with with Van der Beek and with a lot of his squad members at the moment. Some of them he just doesn't trust to come on in games of that magnitude. I, I think in fairness to him, and 
we have criticized his handling of substitutes and substitutions a lot in recent weeks. I don't think he really needed to bring any of those two play anyone on. Uh, I, I suppose there's maybe an argument to take James off, but as Solskjaer said afterwards, because of the way James presses, sometimes, certainly in Solskjaer's mind, I can see where he's coming from, what James does off the ball kind of justifies his selection or, or keeping him on. It was certainly happening just before the lockdown last year when I think James started at Chelsea and he started in the win against City at home. And it wasn't about what he did on the ball. It was about what he did off the ball. Now, that's not sustainable for his long-term future at United. And he is very much a squad player. Uh, he was, I mean, apart from Rashford, who obviously only had a half last night. I'd say James was the weakest player. His his decision making time and again was was dreadful. There were a couple of crosses right at the death where he, he found he found a teammate, but it didn't happen often enough. So I mean Van der, Van der Beek's just moot really. It's, it's it's there's there's no point wasting any oxygen on him at the moment. <laughs> well, I think with the, the thing with James is interesting. He, he just seems to be coming back into something approaching form. But like you say, Sam, you can still be quite frustrating with his with his end product. Uh, I guess one positive tie we can take from the the Milan game, a certain product um, positive, is the defensive performance. Dean Henderson in goal, centre back duo of Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof had one of them, probably I think one of their best games of the season. One of Lindelof's probably best ever games in a United shirt next to that uh, PSG game earlier this season. There's been talk about the goalkeeping situation. There's been talk about signing a new centre back, but United have got this right at the moment. That triangle looks looks the best three to play uh, in most games as things stand. Yeah, it does. I felt it was a big week for the defence at the start of the week, really. We know United are short of goals at the moment. The return of Pogba can help with that, but they have got injuries in the front three. Daniel James isn't a prolific goal scorer. Mason Greenwood is playing centre-forward and has scored one goal in 25 games. So there is an obvious question as to where the goals come from. And if that's the case, then you need the defence to step forward. And it does feel like that's happening this week. The the win against West Ham wasn't pretty, but it, it was dogged and they defended pretty well. Um, they defended brilliantly last night, collectively and individually. It was a super performance. Like you say, Lindelof was was excellent and, and probably man of the match. Henderson, again, didn't have a great deal to do. I think it's quite interesting in all these games, he's he hasn't had loads to do considering the quality of opposition he's played. I think Milan in the San Siro had one save to make, really. The, the derby at the Etihad, he had a couple of long ranges to deal with. But beyond that, I don't think he really has a big save to make and it feels like his goal has been quite well protected and I mean when you're not when you're not in the team it's hard to deduce how much of that is part of his organisation but you wonder if Maguire and Lindelof almost have a little bit more trust in him and it's been noticeable United have played a higher line recently and but there's a bit more faith in, in Henderson to come off his line and deal with crosses which he did well a couple of times last night to, to come out behind them and, and sweep up it you know it does feel like the improved defensive performances although Anderson's not making many saves, is maybe still part of him being in goal and that the organisation feels a bit better. They've got a bit more faith in, in him to do the basics that, that maybe they don't have in De Gea after some of his mistakes recently. You know, I think that is the best sort of goalkeeper, centre-back combo at the moment. is a good option to come in on rotation. But, you know, the, these are the type of games where Lindelof excels, where it's all about concentration and, and defensive discipline and and just doing the dirty defensive work, really. And he's excellent in that regard. And, you know, with the goalkeepers, I mean, it, it, I don't think there's much we can deduce from from what happens on Sunday. I think it would be harsh on Henderson if he doesn't play, bearing in mind he's been the cup goalkeeper. But I think the real the real test is going to be that first game back after the international break, the you know, first Premier League game, and, and who's in goal, whether it's Henderson or De Gea. And I, I think, the, you know, the situation might be complicated in the next couple of weeks. If Henderson starts three games for England in Pickford's absence, then... 
it shows he's clearly number two and, and the man's put pressure on Pickford. And, and if that's the, that's the case and he's then dropped by Solskjaer, I don't think it'd be a difficult decision for Henderson to, to try and move on this summer. So it does feel like the time has come that he needs to stay in goal for, for United and, and be first choice, I think, though. Absolutely, yeah. And I agree with that point about the, the Leicester game on Sunday maybe not reflecting quite who the number one is. We don't we don't really know who the number one is and we probably won't find out until Easter Sunday and that game against Brighton, which is United's first game back after the international break. And talking of internationals and the defence, contrasting fortunes, I suppose, Samuel, for United's two full-backs in, in England terms. Luke Shaw couldn't stop smiling when the BT Sport interviewer asked him about his England call-up after the Milan game, and understandably so. He's, he's well earned that place back in the in the setup for Gareth Southgate's squad. Aaron Wambasaka wasn't selected. I, I know England have an absolute army of right-backs, so that maybe shouldn't be a surprise. Was it a surprise to you Wambasaka no. didn't get, get involved? No. he The other right-backs are better attackers than Wambasaka, and Wambasaka's a better defender than all the right backs in the squad, but full backs are judging their attacking and he doesn't he doesn't attack enough. He had a, a decent spell where I think it was away at Arsenal, he played quite well and then he had a particularly good game against Southampton. But like the result against Southampton, it, it was clearly just a freak. He he needs to kick on. Um he's he's too reticent, he's too shy. Uh I couldn't really I mean, I've, I saw his trending yesterday, and sometimes when you see something's trending, you you just you you know it's for no real no real rhyme or reason, um, and it's just it's just club tribalism. People moaning about why isn't my player in the squad? Um, you know, Alexander Arnold coming out was a shock, but Wambasaka is he's an inferior attacker than than the other attackers, and Shaw, Shaw completely deserves to be in there, and he's he's been the best left back in the league by far this season. But Wambasaka's got a long, long way to go still if he wants to get into the England squad. It's a bit boring talking about the England squad in in general, really. Where you know Wambasaka's never played for them. I know he was in the squad once last season, but then he withdrew from that, so that that can't have gone down too well with Southgate. I wouldn't have imagined. No, it'll certainly be interesting who. who who's in the shake-up for the Euros maybe and, and how they do perform and that often has a has an impact on the season that, that then follows. Uh, and like I said, sure, completely meriting that that call-up. I don't think we can doubt that one. Let's go on to the draw then. The Europa League quarter-final draw took place earlier today. United probably handed the most favourable draw, arguably, or the most favourable draws that they could have got uh, on paper with Granada, the Spanish side who knocked out Solskjaer's old team Molder in the previous round. Arsenal against Slavia Prague, Ajax against Roma and Dinamo Zagreb against Villarreal. Ty, how do you rate that as a draw for United? I know they've got either Ajax or Roma in the semis if they get through, but this is a bit of an easier one than the previous two rounds of the Europa League. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the easiest draw they've had so far. Granada are, are a great story because of what they've achieved in Spain, just being in Europe and, and they're eighth again now. They're not down Napoli in, in the round of 32. They're a good, fascinating story because of what a small club they are. But, you know, they're, they're a workmanlike, dogged, defensive team. And, and United should just have too much quality for them over two legs. Um, you know, the fact they're eighth in La Liga for Granada is impressive. But this is the weakest La Liga we've seen in a long, long time, I think. Uh, I mean, you know, Barcelona were beaten 4-1 at the new Camp by PSG. Real Madrid got lucky and Atlanta had a man sent off in the early on in the first leg. Um, you know, Atletico Madrid are top of La Liga and were made to look amateurish over two legs by Chelsea and, and couldn't lay a glove on Chelsea. And um, you know, we've seen United did to Real Sociedad, who I think are three places above Granada in, in the in the La Liga. So it really should be over two legs 
pretty comfortable for United. You know, Bernardo won't set up as helpfully as, as Sociedad did in terms of playing a high line and giving United space to break into. I think they'll have to they'll have to work harder for their chances than they did against Sociedad. But I don't think Bernardo have got any real attacking weapons to to hurt them. I think you know Roberto Soldado's played up front for them still at thirty five or thirty six or whatever he is. And you know they're they're a great story in Spain, but I they've not got enough to hurt United. And over two legs, it it really should be pretty comfortable progression into the semi-finals. Well, there we have it. The Tyrone Marshall kiss of death has been issued. So we can uh, look forward to see what implications that has. Interesting point, I guess, in general that the Premier League seems strong compared to its competitors this season with three uh, English teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions Champions League, two in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Samuel, okay, it all seems to be boiling down to another semi-final hoodoo, as I think you tweeted, with, with Roma and Ajax waiting around the corner. That's going to be the test for Solskjaer again with this nasty record that he's got of being knocked out in the last four. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's it's obviously two name clubs, if you like, who have probably got the the capabilities um, to to at least test United. But then you you just look at the squads they've got, and there's no intimidation factor there. And the the Amsterdam Arena, when it's packed, can generate a real atmosphere and can you know lift Ajax. But they're not going to have that, as we all know. Some of us have probably been to, have, have been to Rome uh, for the football, and that that can be despite even though it's a beautiful city, there've been some horror stories for a lot of football fans, English football fans traveling there in the last 15 years or so. But that's, that intimidation factor is has, has been revoked from Roma because there are no supporters let in either. So, and just looking at the squads, I mean, Ajax, I think they sold David Klassen to Everton in 2017, replacing with Donny van der Beek. They sold van der Beek to United and they've replaced van der Beek with Klassen, who obviously was a complete flop at Everton. That's that's the, that's the slipstream they operate in. And this isn't the Ajax of two years ago that had those remarkable wins against Madrid and Juventus and really should have got to the Champions League final that year. They're far, far weaker now. So at the risk of looking ahead, this, this should finally be a competition where United do actually go all the way to the final. Arsenal have had a very favourable draw, as you said, as well. Uh, so it could be, could be, should be another all-English draw like two years ago in, in the Europa League when when Chelsea trounced Arsenal. But I suppose it's easier said than done. I mean, I think last... Last year, we were all we were all anticipating, hoping for a United Inter Milan final, which would have been you know would have been one one for the ages, even though there were no supporters present. But then Sevilla have got that remarkable pedigree in the Europa League and and scuppered United's plans. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing, I guess, a certainty in the Europa League. There's lots of pitfalls there, and and United will, will hope to overcome those. They'll obviously have another chance to reach another semi final on Sunday. We'll talk about that Leicester encounter shortly. But I guess um, a little bit of news breaking uh, this afternoon was the, the news that United have agreed a £235 million deal with a technology company, TeamViewer, Samuel, as the club's new shirt sponsor. Five year deal replacing. Chevrolet on the front of the shirts. I think the main concern for some fans is: is the logo going to look any good on the front of the shirt? It's. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced by it personally. <laughs> yeah, um, I know it's, it's amazing how the, the level of interest in in these stories sometimes trumps actual actual football stories. But this one was a little bit out of the blue. It was just communicated to to some of us this morning, and we were, you know kind of like scrounging around for, for additional background and details on it. And and as you say, it's it's worth, I think, more or less £235 million over a five-year period, 
comes into effect next season. So Chevrolet's still, I think, would have lasted. That, that They'd have been on the shirts for seven years. I think they came in at the start of Van Gaal's first season in, in 2014. The training ground, the, the name and rights for that could also change because Aon's deal, which was an eight-year contract, they signed that in 2013. So that's obviously up for renewal. United are in discussions about a new um, training kit, training ground sponsor. So I suspect there'll be an announcement on that in the upcoming months. My own contribution to this groundbreaking story was to ask whether the the, the logo for United sponsor next season, whether it would be modified because it's blue and white. And of course, given who United's neighbours are, they've decided decided to get rid of the blue so it will be white only I'm sure a lot of United fans will be delighted to hear about that it's not quite as sad as the City fan who insisted on blue ketchup at Main Road many many years ago which which actually did happen someone had that was that allergic to red they insisted on blue ketchup at Main Road unfortunately there's no photographic evidence of it but it absolutely did happen the I think the MEN story from 2002 is floating somewhere in the ether on the internet. Um, so you can, you know, if, if you want to read that, uh, you, you still can do somehow. Um, but United are obviously, they're trying to talk up this sponsorship deal with all their corporate speak and some of the background frankly is is waffle and really not worth me relaying to people who, who are listening to this, but they feel as though it's, it's a reflection of their commercial growth in a, a testing time. It's the biggest, in the words of United, it's the biggest sports deal or sponsorship sponsorship deal by a sports team um, during the pandemic. And it, it is a lot of money over a relatively short space of time. Um, I mean, the, the group that they've got their sponsorship deal with, I don't think anybody would have heard of them before today. The website has probably crashed now because everyone's trying to find out who they are. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's it's more it's more money, um, it's more income, which obviously does help. Uh, Solskjaer does help that that new new football structure reinvests in the squad. But I think that's that's really the the test now for United in that they are well placed to finish second. They're, they are well placed to to win a trophy this season, but they need to there needs to be a palpable show of ambition in the summer going forward. Last summer was difficult because of the pandemic. You had the sideshow with with Jaden Sancho as well. But of course the last time they finished second and even though it was a pretty fraught end to that season in 2017-18 and they lost the FA Cup final, so it ended on a real real down note. They were on an upward trajectory and then all of a sudden they, they stopped backing the manager and frankly, they should have sacked the manager before the start of that season because there was no coming back from it at that point. Certainly with a manager with a personality like Mourinho, it's very, very different with Solskjaer uh, for obvious reasons. So as I said, it's, you know, it, it is testing times in terms of squad investment but given all the noises they've made if they are to really convince the actual supporters and the supporters all they are bothered about mostly is the football and how well the football club does and winning trophies and being top of the Premier League again they are going to have to show you know a a real sign of ambition in the summer. Absolutely, yeah. Five-year contract with TeamViewer. You'll never sing that. I don't think we're going to get that from uh, the Old Trafford stands anytime soon. But you're absolutely right, Samuel. I think Solskjaer probably needs to be bold and he needs to command that some of this commercial revenue makes its way to, to his transfer plans. 
Ty, we've spoken about Erling Haaland, we've spoken about centre-backs, but it is a priority now for United that they need to finish the season strongly, not just for their own progress, but before that that transfer plan that has to put in pl- has to be put in place and to get those targets to attract the names. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, winning a trophy at the risk of reopening a, a can of worms that Soscar popped open pretty dramatically on, on Wednesday. You know, winning a trophy will certainly be a sign to potential recruits that United are heading in the right direction and, and you can win trophies here, as would finishing second in the Premier League. But as we said, it is, it's going to be an interesting summer to see where United prioritise. I think, you know, if you look at it ideally, you probably want another right back as competition for Wan-Bissaka. You probably need a centre-back good enough to start every week, a centre-forward good enough to start every week, probably a right-winger and maybe a centre-midfielder as well if Pogba does leave. And realistically, they're not going to sign those five players and, and those five players are probably going to cost close to, to £300 million. So it'd be interesting to see which ones they do prioritise. And I think we said recently that it feels like the narrative changes every week, whether it's a centre-forward or a centre-back. And this week, it's a centre-forward over a centre-back. But it's not so long ago that, that we were saying the defence needed reinforcing. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. I think... You know, I think the decision on Cavani is being made for them. He's, his injury record is starting to become a concern. He's obviously got no interest in, in playing through the pain barrier for United. Solskjaer's word in on Wednesday when he called out the squad, placed it firmly in, in Cavani's court. He said for the Chelsea game, I think it was the other week, that, that Edison is, is one of those who likes to have a session, you know, a full hard session before he's ready to play. And the fact is, in a season like this, you're probably not going to get a full hard session again. So it's, you know, I don't know when he's going to come back. The fact is, sometimes as a footballer, especially a 34-year-old footballer, you're never going to feel 100%. As a 34-year-old, you're probably never going to feel 100% again. He's just got to get used to it and play. And I think, you know, I think Solskjaer's comments are pretty obvious where he's placing the blame for that at the moment. And the fact is, if Cavani isn't going to sign a new deal, then I think United's priority this summer has to be a striker and they'll be one of the numerous clubs in for Erling Haaland. And, and if they don't get him, I suppose it's, it's where they go for their plan B. I think it's got to the point now where when you use the word injury in relation to Cavani, you might as well use inverted commas. Yeah, I think Solskjaer might have implied that himself as well at the uh, one or two press conferences of late. And Ty, you, you've done a brilliant job once again of doing my uh, segues for me because I was going to talk about the three strikers who are potentially all out injured for the Leicester game. So thanks for that. But Samuel, United again might be in a situation where they can't rotate or rest very much for this game. I know there's an international break coming on the back of it against Leicester on Sunday. It might be the same team who finished against Milan start on Sunday. I think that's possible. Solskjaer is very, very cautious with Pogba. Uh, he, he said he's not ready to play 90 minutes, which I don't think anybody would, would really have expected that at Leicester. It would have been, what, six, almost six weeks to the day, just over six weeks since he, he last started a game. But by is injured again. Uh, typical of him it, that, that he gets injured ahead of a game that he, he would have likely started in. But Lindelof, as was said earlier, I think, I think Lindelof, has has been poor this season up until about three weeks ago. He's had an excellent three weeks. He's probably in the best run of form he's he's been in for for two years. I, I, I thought certainly the season before last, he was probably the most consistent performer in 2018-19. And he's starting to get towards those heights again. And, and Maguire has looked very solid alongside him. So that there's not really much of an incentive to to change anything there. And particularly where it's a straight knockout tie, you, you, sh- you saw the sheer importance of Luke Shaw to United in that he was um, retained for that Milan game. I think Tellez, he, he had a very good debut against PSG, but his his biggest impact at United has just been Jolton Shaw. When, he, when he's played of late, he's been a pretty significant downgrade, which I, I suppose isn't a great surprise. I, I think when you look at his stats at 
in Portugal, Bruno Fernandes is probably the only anomaly there and that he's a player whose stats were so remarkable you thought he can't possibly replicate that in England, but he has done, Teles hasn't, and I think that's more of a reliable gauge of, of the Portuguese Portuguese league and, and Fernandes is just, just the exception there. But again, I mean, Ty said about it, where Solskjaer didn't bother experimenting with the midfield, it's pretty it's too late for that to, to happen now. And particularly where there are other injuries and in other positions, he can't really do that. And it's a little bit the same at right back. I really don't see him all of a sudden bringing Brandon Williams or Axel Tunzebi in. And, and Tunzebi played pretty well at Everton, the Carabao Cup, when he was at right back. But that was nearly three months ago now, I think. So it's a long, long time ago. And he probably should have played at right back since then. But Solskjaer really has been running Wan-Bissaka into the ground. And that's probably not helped him in terms of his chances and his efforts to get recognition at, at England level. But you just given that he's not going to have any game time over the next two weeks during the internationals, it, it probably makes sense just to keep him anyway. So uh, I, I live in hope that we won't see two of McTominay, Fred and, and Matic, which I know I know it sounds like we're, we're just giving, you know, giving the players stick, but it's I think it's, if anything, it's more of a criticism of, of Solskjaer's handling of them. I think individually they are each good players and they all have merit and McTominay's been an impressive goal getter this season, but they've they've just not had the... As I said, they've just not been managed right there, and there's not been any real creativity from Solskjaer in in those those two midfield areas. I think if you had Guardiola overseeing it, he would have done something, maybe something bizarre, something nobody could have ever foreseen. But it, it might have worked. He might have, you know, put David de Gea in in midfield or something weird like that. You know, Guardiola has to be the contrarian, but sometimes that that contrary streak in him is. Um, is laced with genius as well. Yeah, sometimes Solskjaer is the uh, the antithesis to that, isn't he? He's almost too straight down the line and he, he plays it as we expect. But I think I'm going to... I do expect one of Fred, uh, Fred and McTominay to maybe partner Matic. It might be the only shake-up to the midfield in dramatic style that we see against Leicester. Uh, I'll come to predictions at this point. I think, Ty, I'll come to you first. I think you were optimistically predicted a United win in Milan. If they, they get through this one again, that's three pretty big wins in a week if you count the West Ham one as well do you see United making it three out of three I think they can they can possibly grind it out yeah I said on on Sunday in between my car breaking and my laptop breaking at Old Trafford we managed to do some work and said at the time it felt like a a big week for United's defence and and it has been so far and I can see I can see it being a hat-trick of one nil wins this week which is far more far superior to a hat-trick of nil-nil draws. And, you know, I can see one nil, maybe in 90 minutes or maybe in extra time, but I think it'll be a very tight game. And, and if United defend as well as they did last night, I can see them edging it. Yeah, it could well be another one nil, Samuel. It, it doesn't look like goals are going to flow from this team at the moment, but like we said before, the defence is, is solid and it does look like it's on a knife edge, though, this game against Leicester. No, I, no, I can really see United pulling it off. They've They've got the win in their sails. They've got momentum. A number of individuals are, are finding form at the right time. It's it is a pity for them in some ways that the international fortnight is just is is upon us now because they could really have done with sustaining that momentum. Even though some players will get a break. So yeah, I I think especially given that Leicester's home record has not been good this season and they've got a number of injury issues themselves. Uh, even though United could be without Rashford, Martial, and, and Cavani, I, I still fancy United. Well, there's the positivity from the Manchester is Red podcast this week after a, a very good week so far for the Solskjaer side of those wins against West Ham and Milan. We'll have to see what happens in the Leicester game. Uh, thank you very much, Samuel. And thank you very much, Tyrone. Pleasure. Thank, thank you.
And we'll be back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast next week, where we'll review the Leicester game and much, much more. Thank you 